Welcome to the public morality. There are usually three reasons to change vice presidents coming up on an election year. There's wrongdoing, gross incompetence, or it could influence the outcome of the upcoming election. There is little outside of partisanship to suggest Vice President Kamala Harris is guilty of the first two. But what about the third possibility? If Biden is reelected and completes his term, he will be 86 years old. This places a different spotlight on Harris, who, according to polls, along with her short 2020 presidential run, is not perceived as Biden's heir apparent. Does Biden need to make a change to bolster his re-election fortunes? Joining me from London, Dr. David Townley. Professor Townley recently penned an essay entitled, Why Biden Might Drop Vice President Harris and Reasons He Should. Dr. David Townley, welcome to the public morality. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. The American presidency is endowed with perhaps the most impressive title, vice president, that also corresponds with very few mandated uh, responsibilities. Why do you suppose there's been speculation about uh, whether President Biden should drop Vice President Harris? Um, Yeah, I think it's uh, a really interesting question. I think, well, I think there are a number of factors. First of all, that uh, Vice President Harris hasn't necessarily been able to project um, the progressive image that uh, she tried to do during the um, the presidential nomination uh, campaign, uh, particularly one in which she um, criticised um, candidate Biden at that point. Um, and I think that uh, she's failed really to win over a great deal of people within Washington, D.C. Um, that said, I think she is slowly beginning to improve her uh, numbers. Um, and I think that's really, as, as, in, uh, as much as anything else, that's because she's been able to um, become the administration's spokesperson or representative when it deals uh, or when it's dealt with uh, issues such as um, uh, abortion, when it's been to do with race, for example, and she's really been able to come to the fore in that respect. Um, But the criticism um, of uh, Vice President Harris has come mostly from within the um, the Democratic Party. The Republican Party would be quite happy um, for Vice President Harris to run uh, as on the ticket in 2024. And don't we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is uh, President Biden's age? And so as a result, We've never had anyone run who was already in their 80s. He will be in his mid-80s if he completed his second term, should he be uh, elected. So picking a vice president at this point becomes even more critical. I think, is that a fair assessment? I, I, absolutely. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with potentially, if we think of um, former President Trump as being favored at this moment in time to be, to be the Republican nomination, although um, there might be some impact um, or restrictions come in if any of the uh, legal cases against him become successful in over the next uh, over the over the next fourteen fifteen months uh, that restrict him from running for office. But um, when you think that uh, he's going to be seventy eight, turning seventy nine, and President Biden will be eighty two uh, if he uh, when he takes office um, in January of of twenty twenty five, it's it, we. The office of the or the candidate for the vice presidency, probably more than at any other time in the American presidency, um, is probably the most critical of the two candidates to a certain extent. Um, I think that Biden, Biden has for me has been certainly uh, not necessarily cognitively shown his age, but physically shown his age over the last twelve months. That said, I still think at the moment he is possibly um, the best candidate, not just for the Democratic Party, but also for the United States, um, in that he is 
out of all the candidates that are currently throwing their hat in the ring, the one that is most likely to reach across the political divide and actually get some sort of bipartisan work going, not not only um, with members of Congress, but across the two parties, both within and, and, and outside the, uh, the legislative branch. Hmm. And as you offered in your piece, the notion of switching vice presidential candidates for an incumbent Though it may be rare, it's hardly un- unprecedented. I can think of a number of examples. But so this actually isn't new ground historically in the American politics, correct? Uh, no, it's it's not. Um, but it's very rare for elected um, vice presidents to be changed. So the last one, I'm just trying to think now myself. I think the last one that we do know uh, where the vice president was changed uh, during uh, for the second term or, or would have been um, Nelson Rockefeller, but both he and Gerald Ford, neither of those were, were elected by the American public. Uh, so that's a, 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 a sort of a no-no. Um, and go back we to Henry, really go back to to Henry back. Wallace, wouldn't you? Henry Wallace, 44, was the last one. Uh, and that's because, uh, that was as much because um, Wallace was becoming more influential. Um, you know, he was becoming eager to become or be nominated as the vice president uh, as the presidential successor um, to Roosevelt, and Roosevelt didn't really uh, uh, go with that. Um, we, we, there's, I mean, there's a history of candidates being elected um, who were previously vice presidents. Um, obviously, Joe Biden is one, but but to come from the vice presidency directly into the presidency, George H. W. Bush is is the last. I. I we can't count Lyndon Johnson because of obviously he, but he no. would be also have, have been another, another vice president that has ascended. And um, uh, probably the nearest one, or the one that just lost out, would of course be Richard Nixon uh, right. in 1960. Um, but it's not unprecedented. Um, but it's a, it's a it, it's a strange office. I think Kamala Harris has shown some of the restrictions of the office, um, but also um, she, her time in the first. Two years certainly um, would have been an indicator of the um, constitutional duties of the vice president. Certainly, as the as president of the te- uh, the Senate, um, she has been required to be in Washington, D.C. a great deal more than former uh, former vice presidents because of that role to ensure that um, the Democrats can maintain or to to put in a vital vote. Um, uh, should necess- should it be necessary within the Senate? So, so, but it, replacing a vice president no is is not unusual. Um, but to do it on a winning ticket, yeah, it is pretty unusual. Um, it's um, it, it's difficult, uh, and, and I think that for me, that is um, that is really the uh, the stumbling block to actually doing all this is that number one, the optics are right. But secondly, why would you break up a team that has got the most votes in, in American history? It's, it's, it's It seems a, an, an odd thing to do, but here we are discussing it. You, know, you, you, you mentioned um, the, the short list of individuals who have gone from the vice presidency and elected to president after George H.W. Bush. You have to go all the way back to Martin Van Buren when he succeeded Andrew Jackson. That's it's not a straight shot necessarily. No. Um, one of the things, though, that but in our, but the vice presidency, as you've already alluded to, sir, is 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 a unique office. Uh, no one says, you know, Joe Smith was America's greatest vice president. I mean, it's nearly impossible to shake whatever label you were given, whether it was Dan Quayle. Speaking of George H.W. Bush or Al Gore or Dick Cheney, whatever soon on that label is given to that particular individual, it, it becomes difficult to relinquish that label regardless of what one does. What, what are your thoughts about that and how does that shape um, part of Kamala Harris's challenges? Yeah, I, I, so I think Kamala Harris actually, uh, so, so she was seen as a tough Tough prosecutor uh, from her time in California, um, and she tried to change that image during the 
um, the her, her campaign to become the nominee in in twenty twenty, and I don't think she really managed to do that. Um, I don't think she's the greatest speaker. Um, certainly not on a, not not to large crowds, um, but I I think that she has she is seen by many to be particularly um, effective in in sort of one to one in a in a smaller venue. Should we say? Um, Vice presidency initially, um, well, historically, was almost a, um, a, a, a sort of a, a runners-up prize in the presidential election, um, and so presidents at that time you know, were reluctant to, to cede any of their power to their biggest rival, and then it really has been seen by the lead on the ticket as as the vice president is somebody is. Uh, attractive to um, uh, or, or is able to build a coalition uh, greater than the president or, or the presidential uh, candidate. It's also seen as, in many ways, something to quieten your, your biggest rival um, or a rival, I should say. Um, that was certainly the case in 1960 with Lyndon Johnson and, and John F. Kennedy, but not only were they able to uh, or the Kennedy uh, team able to quieten Johnson. They were, they were also able to get a Southern candidate that can um, uh, uh, broaden the horizon for the Kennedy uh, campaign. Um, mm. But it's difficult for anybody really to change because because they're seen so much as, as a ceremonial role um, rather than a, a role with any real impact. And um, that has started to change over the last few presidencies. Um, or presidential administrations, I should say, but um, there's, there's still, I, I still say some suggestion. It's, it's at the whim of the president um, how, how much impact a vice president can have. You know, one of the things that has dogged Vice President Harris since her days in California, her it also came, uh, regurgitated during her brief presidential run, and it, and we've heard about it again as vice president, is sort of the acrimony that pervades her staff and her office. How much of that do you think factors in the perception that one may have of a potential President Harris? Well, well, I, I think it would. It, it's enough to having a consistent message um, with a consistent team is vital to project in the right image or the image that you want. Um, and having a high turnover staff as Harris has had for various reasons, um, we, we are obviously not getting that message that Harris has want. That's calmed down recently. Um, and as I said, Harris's image has changed reasonably well over the last six to eight months. Um, and I think that's because she's been put on or given responsibilities that really fit her skill set. Um, and, that, you know, the southern border it has been a poison chalice for her. It's a poison chalice for anybody within the administration. Um, and I think that uh, it was the wrong job for her. Um, and as I said, with, with her commitments within D.C., uh, in the Senate, um, she just hasn't been able to... Uh, being able to uh, uh, show her hand as as well as she would have wanted. Um, the the staff, whether you're a senator, a congressman, or or even a a president, staff are vital. Not just only to to having that consistent image, but also being able to um, enact policies and make the impact that you want. Uh, and hopefully, for her, and you know, let, let's let's. Let's not beat around the bush. She is vice president of the United States, so hopefully the whole of for the whole of the United States that she can uh, be more effective now that that started to calm down a little. The uh, uh, a friend of mine um, he asked me what was the topic of my show, um, and I told him, and he, his immediate reaction was, "Oh, and and he's a Democrat, and um, he I I I I don't." Um, I don't like Harris. That's what he said to me. That's not me talking. That's him. I don't like Harris. And he said his reason that he doesn't like Harris as vice president 
He doesn't believe that she had a definable rationale to become president. He sort of compared her to Ted Kennedy back when Roger Mudd asked him in 1980, why do you want to be president? He really couldn't answer. He doesn't think she has a reason um, to be president beyond her ambition, assuming that ambition is a starting place for all presidential candidates. Is that a fair charge against Harris in your view? Yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about her, uh, you know, her not being a great speaker. She doesn't give a great, uh, you know, she doesn't project a great vision. Um, she doesn't. She's not able to communicate it well. Um, certainly not on a, on a grand stage. And I think that that is something that um, makes her look uh, ambitious rather than uh, uh, rather than um, a, a natural leader. I think she isn't a natural leader. Um, and I think she needs to get over that stumbling block if she does look to move on beyond the pre uh, vice presidency to you know to become the uh, the chief executive. Um, but I think that there's a multitude of other things that that play into that um, uh, perception of Harris. Uh, one of which is gender, um, uh, and and I think that that is you know when we think of the United States. Um, the 2016 elections saw probably or arguably one of the most qualified people to become president um, uh, fail to defeat somebody who had no executive experience whatsoever. Now, of course, there are other things within that, but I would suggest that it's probably a lot easier um, for uh, 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 African-American male to become president of the United States than it is for an African-American female or a female of any sorts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, th th those are sort of the um, always present, never acknowledged uh, stigmas within American politics. You, you all, there's always going to be a question of race and gender. So when someone says Harris is ambitious, well, who's on the stage running for president that's not ambitious, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you, you, you ask any senator. Uh, they all probably think at some point in their career that they could be president of the United States. Uh, why, why limit yourself to being senator? I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of coded language when people talk about ambition uh, when it comes certainly to to uh, uh, to female and African American candidates, and and we've seen, you know. Um, attempts to knock and undermine campaigns that that aren't applied to shall we say uh, uh white anglo-saxon uh candidates that, that are applied uh, male candidates i should say that are applied to uh those that aren't but hmm. well, we're in uh american politics is in a unique side guys in that anytime biden flubs a word or he forgets someone's name or he stumbles walking up Air Force One, it puts a spotlight on Harris and all of, largely, all of the um, the shortcomings you just you articulated um, as to whether she can perform the duties as president. It, it, how fair is that? But that's just part of the game. Um, it, well, first of all, let, let's be honest, Biden's not alone. Um, you know, my, my research is focused, as a historian is focused on the 1970s and Gerald Ford, I think, fell down the steps of Air Force One twice, if not three times, I think. Um, and he was probably one of the most athletic presidents, um, you know, uh, and Biden has has um, has more often not stumbled over words, language, and he's not the greatest orator. Um, or at least he's not the greatest uh, communicator, uh, but, but he, he manages to get his message across. Um, but again, it, it it does, you know, it, it, what you said earlier, it, it brings the questions around of his age into play. Um, and the, I, I, I do believe that, um, that Harris is capable of doing the job. Um, it's just whether she can convince the rest of the United States to do it as well. But most importantly, whether she can convince the rest of the Democratic Party, because I think that there are some uh, uh, potentially other candidates that, you know, if Biden does get elected and see out its second term, and let, let's hope that, you know, that nothing untoward happens, um, that 
that she would not necessarily be first choice for the candidacy in 2028 selection. That, that although you know she would be in a, in a good place, um, she certainly I think probably would be overlooked for people that may fit the Democratic Party's outlook a little better than than she does. Um, but I, I I I do think you're right. Every time you know uh, the Republicans have been quick to pick up on this is that you know every time that they talk about Biden's age um and, and and Donald Trump's not talking about Biden's age by the way it's people around him that are talking about about that as well um but every time they talk about Biden's age they sort of hint that you know well maybe you know he's he's not going to see out this this presidency and you know maybe we are electing a vice president who will be uh, in the oval office um uh, before 2028 um, and they are picking on Harris or trying to pick holes in Harris um, and to do that. And I, I, you know, that's going to be expected until that until the end of the election. In, in a very curious way, I'm also wondering: might that also reflect on maybe the perceived strength of Biden? Maybe people see him as formidable in spite of these things because they have to go to the vice president candidate and sort of run a closet scare campaign because maybe they do see Biden as vulnerable. Is that, is that, is that possible? Or is that, is that much of a reach? Your thoughts? No, I, I think, look, I think that uh, Biden's economy is, you know, you know, he, record jobs created uh, the economy for the first 18 months of his presidency was affected by post-COVID um, inflation. It's happened around the globe, um, and he's managed to mostly get that under control. Um, uh, not that I, that I think it's a fair measure, but if you you know you want to measure, look at the stock market. That, you know, uh, that that's doing the Dow is doing pretty well. Um, the uh, uh, the industry is is starting to pick up again. Um, the, uh, Big problem for the uh, uh, Biden administration is is that they they haven't really been able to communicate their successes as well as they would like um, until inflation is at a normal level, um, whatever normal level is. Um, then the Republicans will pick up on that and they will probably use um, the issues on the southern border as another way to. Uh, to pick holes in the administration, but I think the Biden candidate is 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 really not that bad. I mean, he is. I, I, I've written before um, in several articles that I think Biden is the candidate that is needed now. I don't think he's going to be. You know, he's not not the greatest president of all time, but I think he is able to. I think he's able to beat Trump. Uh, whether other candidates can do that, but I think he's able to beat Trump. I don't think he's afraid of Trump. I think a lot of other candidates are afraid of of going to town with Trump. Um, and I don't, you know, he's he's got a one and zero uh, 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 record against him, and he, I think he'd be quite confident make it two and zero. Um, whether he would be as effective against maybe somebody like Nikki Haley, who is certainly more of a moderate character. Um, or whether uh, you know, another conservative like uh, DeSantis, I'm not quite sure. Um, they could certainly use his age against him. But I think that Biden, as a candidate, is a pretty decent candidate. If you look at his first uh, uh, two and a half years in charge, and uh, probably by this time next year, inflation will be well under control. Um, let's hope it is all around the globe. Uh, and and I think that. Uh, yeah, he's he he might well be a formidable candidate for twenty twenty four. Now, conversely, does Biden at what will be he will be eighty two um, when he runs? Uh, does that um, reflect uh, desperation on on the part of the Democratic Party, in your view? So we never do anything just see we never do just either or. So we we have to have fun with it. <laughs> Do do I think do I think that uh, okay, um, I think there are people in the wings that could step in, but I don't think they would be as effective. Um, I like um, the, the California governor. I think that he's Gavin already Newsom? said. Yep, yeah, I think he's said already that 
you know, that he's not going to run, he's not interested in 2024, but he might well be somebody in 2028. And I did write in my article um, that you mentioned before that he might be considered as a replacement, but it's it's the wrong optic. You, you, you know, it's, 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 I think it's the wrong optic. But certainly why not, you know, find a role for him within the administration of some seniority that can give him some, you know, executive branch on, at, on a federal level um, experience uh, with a look forward to 2028. But I would have thought that if, if Kamala Harris is, is, is there in 2024, you know, and vice president in 2025, that she would expect to be there in 2028. I don't think, I don't think that there is a great depth of candidates um, with the required experience that were arguably there in years gone by. Um, not within the Democratic Party, certainly. I think there's a couple within the Republican Party that might throw their hat in the ring, um, which, you know, in 2016 and in the current election is a wide open race, um, although Trump is leading. But if Trump was to withdraw from the race or not being able to run in 24, that would, I think that would change quite dramatically. Um, and I think that that could turn into a bit of a, um, a dog-eat-dog contest. Um, but yeah, I think I think as well that as, as much as Biden being the right candidate, I don't think there's a great deal of of people on the in the bullpen waiting to step in that would have the same impact as Biden. You know, we we touched earlier in our conversation about race and gender, but what we haven't talked about, let's say that the those within the Democratic Party who would like to see Kamala Harris uh, re- replaced. Um, let's say they get their wish. Talk about the impact that might have on what was at least perceived in the primaries in 2020, Joe Biden's saving grace, and that would be African-American women. How might that impact that important coalition to, to the Biden campaign? Should it replace Kamala Harris with someone else who's not African-American? Well, well, that, I mean, Af- not African American or even not a woman. I think it would have a huge impact. Um, he built up a really strong coalition uh, in 2020 with Harris, and Harris was key in that. Harris is a, a great optic. He's uh, uh, it, it, as, as the pair of them together worked worked really quite well. Um, and they say and she seemed to have that. Or she she gave the impression that she had the drive and energy that Biden was lacking. Um, I still think that that's there. I, I, I still think that you know that that, that is still a good optic. Um, but if you were to take her out, you would, I mean, you would surely damage that coalition. I mean, think of um, you know the, the gains in states such as Georgia, for example. You know, and and uh, it's it's not just the impact on Biden's election, but also on on the House election um, and on the senatorial elections. You know, the image that the Democratic Party would give over, and I, I think it would be potentially disastrous uh, for the Democratic Party to get rid of Kamala Harris. Um, I think that, um, as I said before, it's a winning it's a winning partnership. You, you don't break up a winning team. Well, you don't generally break up a winning team unless you've got somebody better to bring in. And I, I just don't see that um, there's somebody would offer that optic that uh, that that this this partnership particularly puts forward and and experience as well. She, remember, she's got she by 2025 she's going to have four years' experience as vice president. Um, 2025, she's going to be you know the second term. Um, she'll probably be a lot more. Um, involved in things than you know that will see her project uh, towards 2028. Um, I, th- I think for this election though, um, she is key I- in Biden being re-elected um, and the Democrats having any chance of taking back control of the House and maintaining their very slim advantage in the Senate as well. One of the unique characteristics about the American presidency, in my view, is you don't know what you get until you get it. Like, Abraham Lincoln wasn't Abraham Lincoln until after the Civil War and he was assassinated. Um, Harry Truman, George H.W. Bush were in the shadows of 
Franklin Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan, respectively. And Truman's presence has undergone a positive historical revision. And I uh, suspect the same will happen for George H.W. Bush as well. My question, sir, isn't any discussion about dropping Harris rooted in an immediacy that, that, that blinds us to any possibilities? And it's, it, it is at best supposition about what a Harris presidency would be. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let's, let's flip back to 2016, and many of us were saying that Donald Trump, successful businessman, known for employing people who were right for the job to get the job done, um, that he would have a cabinet that would you know, be um, the right people, skilled, um, have the right experience, the right knowledge and understanding, uh, you know, understand the nuances of being in the executive branch. And, and <laughs> that, that's what we thought we were going to get, uh, or that, perhaps that's what we hoped we were going to get. Uh, and, and we got almost completely the opposite. Um, so I think, yeah, we, we, you know, we are, we are, <laughs> to a certain extent, beholden to our inherent beliefs about certain people until they prove us different. Um, I think that, you, you know, when you talk about uh, revision of presidencies, I think that um, I think that that's only natural. Um, when we start to understand some of the things that get declassified, when we start to get memoirs and understand difficulties and challenges that these chief executives face in their role, um, uh, I, I I think that Harris would do an okay job, uh, but I think that whether she would get there in 2024 um, is not necessarily certain. I do think that uh, that if she was to have a second term as a vice president, that she would be rightly experienced and qualified uh, to run for the nomination in 2028 uh, and be certainly be one of the favourites. Mm. Um. As someone who follows American politics from across the pond, do you see, and let's assume momentarily that the Republicans um, do indeed nominate um, former President Trump, and then the concerns we've articulated about a President Biden, with that, with that um, head-to-head contest, do you see American democracy at a critical juncture as you uh, understand it, study it, critique it, analyze it? Um, yes. And I think, uh, I think we, we're at a critical juncture as far as the Republican Party is concerned. Certainly. Um, I think if, if Trump loses for a second time, he doesn't run for as a, as a third time loser. I think that would be it. And, and so we, we might see the end of Donald Trump's um, a Republican Party and see that transform. Um, it, 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 you know, the polls from Americans, uh, American voters of both parties, um, you know, suggest that a Biden Trump competition is the one that they don't want. Uh, out of all of them, it's, it, you know, it's, it's almost to a certain extent the two least likable candidates. Um, uh, Biden has a, um, a an eleven and a half disapproval rating, or a, a plus eleven and a half dis- disapproval rating. So he's fifty three point two approval rating uh, on his uh, presidency, and forty one point seven percent. Sorry, fifty one three point two disapproval, forty one point seven approval. Whereas Trump has um, uh, 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 an even worse rating when it you know when people are. Um, lack of confidence in him as a candidate as well. He's actually uh, 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 56.4% against him and 39.3% for him. Like those uh, figures are from uh, 538 um, polls. I, I think that, I think that there's a, to a certain extent, it, a Trump victory uh, is, um, it, it could well set back the United States um, at this point in their history, the United States has always been at it, when it's been its most successful, has seen a great deal of uh, bipartisan collaboration. 
um, compromise between the two uh, parties to get things done when they needed to be done. Um, and um, at the moment, I don't see that happening with the Republican Party um, held to ransom by um, the the, the, um, uh, the Freedom Caucus in the House and uh, the, the, the Make America Great Again uh, 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 proponents that that are, to a certain extent, refusing to acknowledge anything positive that comes out of um, the Democratic Party. I think this is, for, for me, uh, a, a, a Biden victory or a Democratic victory would allow the Republican Party to reset um, and um, to allow the American political system to, be, to become one that is envied again around the globe. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because the one thing we haven't talked about, we've discussed, you know, some of the domestic challenges that maybe Harris has been focused on, as well as President Biden. But we haven't talked about the international ramifications um, of not only the forthcoming election, of what the international ramifications um, status was during President Trump vis-a-vis -vis the international status of the United States, vis-a-vis -vis Joe Biden, because they're, they're very, very different ways of, of doing business. One seems internationalist, the other seems uh, isolationist. Your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I, so, well, let's, let's, let, let's deal with a couple of things first. First of all, Biden has continued some of Trump's policy. So he's actually, um, because of the position that he's in, he's had to, to a certain extent, Adopt an even uh, to take Donald Trump's China policy and make it even harsher, um, which is uh, um, uh, 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 really testimony to the uh, to the pressure that he's under to a certain extent. Um, and he's also almost a you know he's he's in a no win situation. I've written again about his his immigration policy on the on the southern border. It's it's a no win situation for any president, but at this moment in time, that is under a critical position. When you look at his support of Ukraine, you would undoubtedly feel, especially with everything that's associated with the um, the indictments and uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, the impeachment um, that uh, uh, Ukraine is associated with of, of Donald Trump, you would expect if Trump was to be successful that American support for Ukraine would be severely diminished. And I think that that would place a great deal of pressure, not just on um, American partnerships with Ukraine, but also with those within NATO and um, those within um, those Western European uh, and, and uh, Southeast Asian uh, countries that, that the America generally aligns with. We, as, as, as Britons, we welcomed the more interventionist approach of Joe Biden. Um, America's international standing was severely affected by Trump's withdrawal from agreements, uh, from his uh, determination to renegotiate what he thought were uh, poor deals, such as uh, such as NAFTA, for example. Uh, um, and, and that all undermines America's standing in the world. Joe Biden has been pretty good at saying, look, this is what we're going to do. And Congress so far, in fairness to them, both, uh, you know, Republicans, uh, uh, the, the, as I should say, the majority of Republicans uh, and the Democrats have supported Biden's policies in that respect. Although there is now some questioning around, uh, certainly from some uh, Freedom Caucus, uh, some really severe questioning about um, uh, whether the, the support for Ukraine should continue, it's it's it it would be disastrous for the international community if America becomes isolationist. Whilst there are the current crises that are going on around the globe, whether it's climate change, whether it's uh, uh, Ukraine, whether it's uh, what's going on in China, um, you know, this is this is an important point in a, in America's foreign policy as well. Hmm. In America, we have a two-party system. So in that system, right, 
as it currently stands, we have one party, the Democrats, who are concerned about the standard bearers' age, and they're concerned, and that leads them to concern about have concerns about the running mate. The other party, the Republican Party, um, their leading candidate um, is facing 91 felony charges. So when you look at it that way, perhaps all things being equal, Democrats don't look so bad. How do how do you see it? <laughs> um, I, I, if you frame it that way, I suppose it is. Um, of, of, of course, it's. I mean, so, some of those charges could mean that that Trump is excluded from running under the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, and that will really change the picture considerably for Democrats and Republicans. Um, I do think. However, that um, uh, that it's very difficult for Trump to be replaced at the moment as the the candidate, and the Republicans are happy with that, um, or the vast majority of Republicans are happy with that. But there is certainly, since the charges have been lined up against him um, over the last what is it, last two years, um, that there is slowly. Um, what you might term as moderate Republicans or the non-MAGA or non-Freedom uh, Caucus, some of those Republicans are now you know, starting to question Trump, which, of course, didn't happen during his presidency. Um, and I think that the Republican Party is quite fractious. And I think there's a, a, there's a possibility that this election will become... A real turning point in the Republican Party, or at least we will see start to see a metamorphosis of the of the Republican Party. Uh, remember, I don't think it's yet got over, you know, the 2010 sort of um, uh, campaigns by the Tea Party. I don't think it, that that's when, it, for me, the changes have really started to to happen within the Republican Party, um, and I don't think it's it that's finished yet. Um, and I think we, you know, we need to perhaps see another churn of the handle uh, 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 and, and, and see what happens in 2028. Perhaps we'll have um, a more, dare I say, traditional Republican Party. Um, I did want to say conservative because uh, I don't think it's getting more conservative, but a more traditional uh, Republican uh, uh, Party and a more traditional Republican candidate um, that will probably have a greater chance than Donald Trump at the moment. Yeah, if, if I was, you know, if I was a Democrat, I'd be quite confident that Trump isn't going to get elected. Uh, as I said before, you know, Biden, Biden's, you know, is 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 his approval rating is not good, but it's not as bad as Trump's uh, uh, ratings at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think Democrats would probably be wouldn't want to swap the position. And what I'm taking from your from your response is because because we are a two-party system if if one one if one of the parties is outside the traditional democratic guardrails in my view the best the other party can be is mediocre i mean because our, our parties in some way are are linked like in that way to some degree and i'm hearing what i'm hearing you say is that where america's in a hackneyed state in terms of its democracy and it may require several election cycles to solve it did i get you right yeah i think yeah i don't think it's going to happen with this one um and i don't think you know 2028 we may start to see some something along those lines but well you know that's i, I don't have a crystal ball um, if I did, I'd probably make a lot more money than uh, by by, uh, by picking election <laughs> wins. Um, but I um, I would say that, but you know, it's it's been a long time coming. I think it, it, you know certainly since for me for, as an observer of American politics, um, you know, it did the last. Well, from 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 about two thousand and eight, but there was all the hope of two thousand and eight. Of, of Obama's election, that there was going to be real change and America was going to become progressive, was going to lead by example. And yet it has is, it is started to implode, or to a certain extent did implode with it in on itself. Um, I think partisanship has always been evident in American politics and always will be. Um, and I think it is good that you don't have 
you know five different shades of the same color uh that, that we do have variety and we do have um uh, ec- extreme should we say but not necessarily extremists um for people to choose upon um because you know america is it's such a diverse nation of political views of ethnicity of of race uh, and all of those different uh, uh, diverse views need to be represented um, and taken into consideration. And if you really do have just essentially uh, um, what I would suggest the Democratic Party is is probably a, a centrist it's ever been and a Republican Party that's been pretty much about as right as it's ever been, um, then, you know, you're not getting everybody within that the, the, those uh, those bookends of those two uh, political uh, st- uh, standpoints, and so I think that to to really see change, we need to see a realignment, not just of the Republican Party, because I think if the Republican Party does manage to realign, to step back, not become centrist, but to come more towards the centre, then the Democratic Party, as a result, will be able to move towards the left, um, and we do we will start to see then some proper discussions around race, around, um, you know, uh, uh, birth control rights, etc., um, that need to be done in a society that claims to be um, leader of the free world. Well, uh, unbeknownst to you, sir, um, we at the Public Morality just appointed you a political consultant to President Biden's re-election campaign. You didn't know you had that title, but you do now. (laughs) So Uh, what advice do you give President Biden about Vice President Harris in terms of whether or not to keep her on the ticket? um, I think he has to keep her on the ticket. And I think she has to be. Uh, I, th- I think there's, uh, I think there's, two, there's two things that we need to establish first uh, 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 when we speak to President Biden about, about Kamala Harris. Um, first of all, does he, he does he view her as his successor? I think that's an important thing because if you view, view her as a successor, you're going to give her a role where she is then portrayed as being a successor, not necessarily on re-ele- uh, during election campaign, but certainly in a, in a second term, um, or is she there simply for him to be re-elected? Because then I think that then you you start to have ideas about who comes after you, uh, and, and you know former presidents as as much as they um, as, as Joe Biden will be in twenty twenty eight, you know they they are still influential when it comes to which way their their party moves, um, and I think that she is particularly good at connecting with African-American communities and African-American women in particular. And that is such a big part of the Biden coalition that you cannot get rid of her. And for me, she would be, you know, I would have her front and center when it comes to talking to those communities, to lead the conversation, to to get out to, you know, to the meet and greet in those communities. Um, and I think if you can get that, if you can get past that, what people think of her as being a sort of sort of steely exterior, if you can get past that, um, then I think that she is only an asset uh, for the for the Biden campaign, um, and potentially an asset for the Biden uh, for, sorry for the Democratic Party um, in a second term and beyond. Uh, but absolutely, I I can't see. Um, anybody else who, and it is relatively late in the day, let's be honest, uh, coming in and stepping in in, in in place of her. And let's be honest, Biden likes her. Biden has constantly spoken about, you know, he speaks about we. He speaks about we when he, 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 he inclusive uh, language around Kamala Harris, um, his um, State of the Union address was talking about how he and Harris have done these things, about how their partnership had done this. Um, it was interesting to see the the first lady and the uh, the second gentleman, um, you know, included in all those uh, uh, picture shots and everything else. And it, 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 she's also really, um, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Jill Biden. She likes her immensely as well, um, and you know, it's it that, which is always a great thing. Um, if you can get everybody on your team to to like her, um, and and you've got to say that 
that if if the Bidens like her, she's she's got to have something about her. So I think that if you were advising Biden to drop her, you're probably on a losing t- a losing battle because I think that he's going to he's going to want to keep her, and and that would be my my advice: keep her, use her, uh, and use her to her strengths. You know, it, 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 I have to admit, it's actually, it was almost kind of funny to me when, when you said that um, Harris's um, persona is being steely. I recall a woman in Great Britain that had that reputation. <laughs> um, her name escapes me now, Margaret um, Thatcher, maybe? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she was iron, not steel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got my medals confused. You're, you're absolutely right. My, my apologies, sir. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, it's, it's for some, it's seen as being a positive, um, a positive characteristic, especially when you're trying to portray yourself. Uh, I think if you're in the leadership role, as you were, if she was president, that sort of hard exterior would work well. Um, but as vice president, she doesn't need to have that at this moment in time. Uh, that's something that she can adopt and turn to um, should she run for the for the for the higher office. But I, I think that uh, again. It's coded language, isn't it? It's coded language. It's about you know you, uh, you know a woman has to be you know uh, a variety of things, and, and even when she is a variety of things, she gets criticised for for it as well. And, and you know, being steely and hard and a and a strong leader um, is good in some cases, but if you're a critic, it, obviously it's not. Don't forget ambitious. <laughs> oh yes, ambitious as well. Yeah, which of course you want them to be. You know, you you want people. You, why would you not want your president to be ambitious? Ambitious for themselves and ambitious for the United States. That's what you want. Ambition is the first uh, prong on the job title. That's the first. That's the first qualifier on the job title, right? Uh, Doctor David Towley, thank you so much, sir, for joining me today on the Public Rally uh, and. And join us from across the pond. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, sir. And to you, too. Thanks very much for having me. The Public Morality welcomes your comments. You can contact me at Byron at PublicMorality.org. That's Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, at PublicMorality.org. You can follow me on Facebook as well as Twitter. The archive broadcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Prime, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those listening to the Public Rally on WSNC can also listen on its app. Using your mobile device, simply go to your application page, search WSNC 90.5, and click open to listen from anywhere. The Public Rally is produced at WSNC on the campus of Winston-Salem State University. For all of us at the Public Morality, I'm Byron Williams.